My name is Julie Kraft and I have bipolar 2 disorder. I'm Shaylee Hugendorn and I live with bipolar 2 disorder. I was diagnosed 10 years ago at the age of 36. I was told of my diagnosis and I remember being relieved but also terrified. I know um, the perceptions and the stigma that goes along with it. I started sharing my story about four or five years ago. I decided to come forward and start sharing. It's led to me meeting the most amazing people walking the same path. So we had talked about collaborating. My greatest hope is that others will hear our stories and feel less alone. We can offer insight and give the world a real life living example of what bipolar disorder can look like. This is bipolar. This is Bipolar. Hello friends, we are back. This is almost the follow-up episode. Uh, hopefully you'll watch the one before this where we talk about all the beautiful things about hypomania. Yeah. Julie and I both have Bipolar 2. So that means we have hypomania. We've defined it all and explained that in the previous episode. So we just want to get started right away um, yeah. talking about the other side. Of course, we'll mention, uh, you know, a little bit of the ups that caused the other side. But yeah. we, um, we wanted to separate the two just because um, we find that only one side is really shown or yeah. it's shown in such such extremes you know you see the um quirky uh quirky manic on on tv where it's like beautiful and fun in which it is or you see like really really probably full-blown mania so we're trying to explain we i think hypomania is kind of um you know misunderstood so we want to shed light to that yeah. so in our last episode we talked a lot about the creativity and the bursts and the things in our body. So we might talk a little bit about um, just touch on those projects. If you're like, Julia, Chaley, I don't know what project you're talking about in the last episode. Go over there and watch it. I suggest you watch it first. But we're so glad you're here. I yeah. think you'll <laughs> understand regardless. Um, so, Julie, yeah. let's go back to your creative project. Or actually, let's go back to pre-medication. And if you guys know us and the other things, Julie and I have both made the choice to take uh, medication to help us manage our symptoms. So we talk a lot about what it was like before and what it's like now. So I'd love to do that um, with our hypomania and the, um, the hard parts and the, you know, ugly parts. And so bring me back to before and what you know now were hypomanic episodes and what those looked like. You bet. <laughs> okay, so tiny bit of background. Um, I was diagnosed at age 36 um, as a wife and a mother. So we are now heading back before that and um, before I decided to take medication as part of my um, treatment plan for my bipolar. So as a wife and a mom that was untreated with medication, um, my hypomania manifested 
um, mostly in the realm of um, being involved in my kids' lives and so in their schools. So as a creative person that loves everything to do with the arts, including um, decorating, event planning, um, I would often get involved at my kids' schools. And when I say involved, I mean jumping in with both feet, head first, um, you know, just out of sheer excitement and having a burst of energy. And so, you know, a lot of times I would get on a project. I know we mentioned this in the previous episode that the sky was never the limit as far as creativity or planning something. So I would become so excited that I would overcommit and then become so hyper-focused that everything else fell to the wayside. And so as a mom, unfortunately, that meant my kids. Um, I'm gonna go right down to even some of their basic needs. I mean, I still fed them, but it was a quick hot dog at dinner because I was so excited about you know planning this fundraising event. Laundry, forget about it. I mean, our laundry room had a mountain of clothes about 500 feet high. And so groceries, um, house cleaning, even birthday parties for the kids. If I was intently working and hyper-focused on a much more exciting event, then, um, you know, everything else was disregarded. And, you know, even my husband. And so at the time, I think I justified it by saying, you know, I'm doing a good thing. I'm helping out the school. It's a fundraiser. And people did, you know, say, great job. You're amazing. So I think you justify it by telling yourself you're being part of something amazing. You're creating something you with deep purpose. But if it's at the expense of your kids or your family or your marriage or your friendships, then um, that's where the trouble can come in. So before I was medicated, I had no sense of self-awareness and I, I simply didn't realize the damage that was being done. And I guess I'll just go right into it. It did ultimately take my husband, I think, seeing the effects of the negative effects of my hypomania unmanaged, um, he saw the effects on my kids and felt the effects personally. And I think he ultimately did give me an ultimatum to go and get help. And I really do think it was in large part due to um, my hypomania that was unmanaged and you know the negative effects. So yeah. I know you've also chosen medication yeah. And so I'm just curious too, um, how did hypomania look for you before medication and what, if any, were some of those negative mm. parts? So it looked totally awesome and totally terrible. Yeah. Um, I think that because I had such deep depressions, um, the trade-off of the bad parts of hypomania made up for like didn't seem that bad because I would take that over depression any day yeah so it took me a long time to even admit or see the other side and like you said self-awareness because you're so you're so self-involved and so um yeah like hyper focused and so on fire you you can't see the other side right yeah. and so for me it was pouring into um, different different projects or and say we have a lot of similarities there we do. But 
Yeah, but so fundraisers and events and things uh, like that. But like you said, like I call them Shaley's frozen feasts because the <laughs> dinner seemed, and it seemed so like annoying and unimportant. And yeah. if, honestly, until I had children in medication, I would forget to eat for so many hours and then eat and it was so dysfunctional that way and, and like having children made me eat <laughs> regular meals um but yeah and it would just be beautiful things and yeah you get if you get kind of I got kind of addicted to the compliments and uh because um the things that I'm good at are very outward looking do you know what I mean? Like you can see them, whereas some people have huge talents that aren't like, you know, like minor Instagrammable and Pinterest worthy kind of things. <laughs> I mean, not to brag, or I thought they were. Um, so it looks, do you know what I mean? You look yeah. more like you have it all together. Whereas if I was like an amazing scientist, you might not know. I'm not, that's like the opposite of me. Um, and so, uh, but it got to the point of, um, perfection and uh, and I would hurt people's feelings because I couldn't I would have to change it like I couldn't yeah. just be okay with um, if I had a vision for it or if I thought it was supposed to be I couldn't I would have to kindly try and change it or and I couldn't it seems in the moment, it seems so important. Yeah. Like I'm talking not life or death, but like catastrophically important. And it's so yeah. embarrassing later because you're like, did that really matter? Was that worth risking a friendship at a school? Or was that, you know, worth, uh, you know, worth, you know, hurting someone's feelings or, um, one of the things that I do too, is that I think so quickly and I think of the good side and the bad side. And I think of all the things so quickly that I'm very quick to tell people they're wrong or not even like, I don't even, my husband's always like, you don't even take a pause to consider my ideas. And in my head, it's like, well, I already thought of it and I thought poked holes in it. So why would I waste my time? Which is terrible. Listening, <laughs> I have things to do. Yeah. Like I, I'm changing, I am throwing the best carnival and raising the most money that anyone has ever. I'm very competitive. Oh. It's embarrassing. Me too. Like, super competitive. Like my family like makes fun of me. Like I'm, I always tell people now, like, okay, if you want to play games with me, promise we'll still be friends after. I am apologizing <laughs> ahead of time. And so, yes, it, it just, it just takes over and yeah. I just need to feel it's addictive too. And you need to feel good in the moment. So I just do the next best thing that feels good. That helps me escape yucky feelings. Yeah. So it's fast and it's just, uh, you know, I just, it feels like I can't control myself and it, it's so embarrassing because, and awful because people don't deserve it and you can't use it as an excuse, but it is an explanation. It is a hundred yeah. times harder for me to calm down or me to do these, these things that you should be able to do. 
right? And unfortunately, I care what the outside world thinks. So the brunt of it will be on the people that I love the most, like my mom and my husband, right? I, because I'm a teacher, I'm very passionate about kids. So I think my kids might feel it more because of they overwhelm me with a lot of feelings as teenagers, but like little kids are my thing. So they like had the best parties they had the you know the I made their childhood like over the top because I didn't like to stay home so we were at a park every day we were like now I'm the person that drives my kids to school in their pajamas but there's no way I was up and like day three of having kids day four full makeup full like I had to look like I had it together because inside I didn't I didn't I did not Um, I'm very curious for you, did you feel, so when those things got in the way, laundry, like all those things, tell me what you would feel. Like, would you just feel numb to it or would you feel like angry and like they're annoying and uh, that, like, tell me how, how you felt, um, when you were like in the zone, what were the negative feelings that you had towards mundane things that were getting in the way? Yeah, exactly what you said. Uh, a hassle. Why do we have to eat? Why do I have to clean? And thank goodness I've now realized you need to have balance. As a wife and a mom, I now realize my kids needed me. And I just think I was so focused on the project. They would say, mom, that's all you talk about. It's all you do. I mean, my manuscript when I was working on my book was always with us on holidays, in the car. Um, It just, I could not stop. And I really didn't stop until it was published. And so it's really bittersweet because yes, I finished a book, which for me was a major accomplishment, but it came at a cost. And I think my kids missed out on having their mom around a lot of the time. And my focus, you know, I will admit it wasn't my kids for a few years in in there. And I do get choked up about it. Um, So when I look at my book, uh, there are mixed feelings. Um, You know, I'm still glad I wrote it, but I just wish I had the self-awareness that I, that I do now. Um, But yeah, I looked at all of those things as just, obstacles that were going to prevent me from getting my project done. So I would let the fridge get very empty. And the kids would say like, mom, the milk's rotten. And it's sort of, I used to sort of joke about it, but it's not really that funny. And I think about my husband just sort of waiting in the sidelines. Um, And sometimes I worked all day on the book and then into the night. And then there were many sleepless nights, which I thought were fantastic until I figured out that when I'm underslept, I become an absolute monster. And, you know, then my entire world comes crashing in and I snap at my kids, snap at my husband, and I see them as almost this, you know, these obstacles for me um, when I'm trying to get this amazing, life-changing, world-changing work done. And so I think I'm so glad we're doing this episode because I know if I had watched that a few years back, I might have been able to say, whew, I need to take a step back. And so 
I think it's also important to um, clarify that I was on medication and I didn't start my book till I think four years after my diagnosis. So even on medication, which has helped a little bit, I still hadn't learned how to manage and harness that energy and that creative rocket fuel that my hypomania um, would bring and still brings. So it's definitely, definitely been a learning process and I have guilt and I have shame, but I think all we can do is sort of move forward. But I'm curious for you, Shaylee, how did you balance, um, you know, motherhood and being a wife when you were working on a project? Did you somehow manage to get it all done or did you let things drop in certain areas? Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know if I can ever claim the word balance. <laughs> and I've come to accept that. I come a little bit closer, yeah. but I, um, yeah, I deal with a lot of frustration and I was so embarrassed for so long, but I can admit it now, anger. Like it would make me furious. I would get into these things like, why is this my job? Why is this a division of labor? We chose that I, so I work now a little bit. Well, I work, I work um, for money and then a lot of volunteering. Um, a lot of work, <laughs> yeah. very hard. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I'm trained as a person and as a woman, if it's not paid, it's not important, but I do a lot of work. I put in, yeah, and moms, like, are you kidding me? Full-time. I'm the CEO of my home. Let's just yes. okay. Um, but I think I just would feel even now. Sometimes I get in that mood when I get overwhelmed. And I'm just I'm angry, and I just I've ever since I've been young. It's uh, someone explained it like I'm not good at constructive criticism. I'm not actually good at much of any criticism. Now I can from outside, but like close people. Yeah, because I have beaten myself up more than you could ever imagine in my head that if someone verbalizes anything that I've said to myself, it's like cemented as truth. And so which causes a problem because your people and you know, uh, again and again, uh, I would think I would say my husband gets the brunt of it. He's my closest person, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they you don't give them room because you're devastated if they're just trying to, you know, help out or, yeah. or if they um, now I can I can do it. But if they if they would comment on, um, you know, me not being able to handle anything, or I've noticed, like, mm. if they brought up symptoms or stuff like that, I was just so, so offended. And I used to think I didn't care what people thought, because I do all the things and I do. Yeah. That, you know, like I'm not afraid to do putting myself out there, but actually I've realized that I, I actually do care it just in a different way, not like nervous about things. I just, I want, yeah, I want people, I do want people to notice things I, I do. Like we all want to feel like we're belong or special. Um, but yeah, I definitely deal with anger and that's taken a long time because I thought it took me a long time to separate it from me. So, and like you said, even after medication, there's these things. So we've had these, 
um, coping mechanisms. And I'm trying to look at it like a lot of, um, I've been taught through therapy and, and different um, people I follow online that those worked for you then. Like you kept yourself safe then by doing those things. Were they the right thing to do? Right? Or were they this? But that's what you were trying to do. Right? So then I can't just, because I can get stuck in beating myself up or the past or relive things over and over, especially yeah. things that bring a lot of shame. But I, it's really hard to replace those with new behaviors, right? When you've done that forever. And even though you know all the things, even though I always joke, like, I don't do half the things that I preach or talk about. I'm basically my whole account and my whole everything is like talking to myself, right? And I think just in this last year, I've claimed, um, you know, the idea of anger and I struggle. I can't even explain to you how, I mean, I can explain to you, but I can't even explain to people how like you're in a bubble of like, I am furious. I'm hot. I'm like, I, it takes over. I'm so angry. And later on with hindsight, you can be like, why was I so angry? But yeah. you, the physical dysregulation in my body is so terrible that I just, I, I just really struggle to uh, see clearly. And I just, I wanted to share because I think this was a big step for me. Um, so um, you, you had been interviewed and been on a BP Hope by Pillar Hope magazine before, and you had given them my name to be interviewed. And I was interviewed about anger. And I was very nervous to, to talk about that because that's something that I'm still working on in terms of holding the shame with that. Um, and so I got it and I haven't shared it yet only because they use the word rage, right? So it's like anger attacks and bipolar rage. And then the image. Now I think it's funny, but when I first got it, I'm like, okay, so it takes up. <laughs> lovely <laughs> I'm an angry and fierce rhinoceros right and I'm like I just felt like oh I don't want to own that and really like could you make it any bigger <laughs> so I decided to take that into a positive and now I joke with my friends um when I'm trying to figure out my mood like how do you feel on the scale of zero to angry bipolar rhinoceros like I've made it into that, right? But um, yeah, I wanna ask you a few more questions. And then there was a few things that I didn't even know I said because when I get interviewed or when we do this, I rarely remember the things that, that I've said, but there's a few things that I said in here. I was like, oh, I said that. So I wanna tell you about them later. But yeah, one of the big things for me is, um, yeah, is rage. Do you feel anger and rage? Yeah. Oh, is that a question to me? <laughs> yeah. Yes. And I know there's also mixed mania or dysphoric mania where you actually feel both. And I think, I think I have felt that at times. And I think it's the exhilaration of the creativity, the ideas and the energy, and then the frustration of not being able to fully pursue that. And that's where even, you know, people talking or phone calls, it's like, no, this is a distraction. You're interrupting me. Um, and I'd like to think that I've become much better at managing that and realizing if I'm working on a project, I need to set 
limits for myself. I need to, if I'm painting something, as hard as it is, you know, I used to leave everything out for months and like the kids would have to move my paint brushes to find a spot to eat. But I try so hard now to find that balance. And I think when I have that balance, I get less angry. I get less frustrated. I'm also very aware of my sleep now. So even if it's 1 a.m. and I am fired up, <gasps> as hard as it is, I tuck myself in bed because I, I now know, and I've been made aware by my family who are amazing in my, I'll say recovery, although that term sometimes doesn't sit well with me, but they are such a huge part of keeping me well um, that once my daughter found me up and she just said, mom, get to bed. You know what's going to happen if you don't get your sleep. I know you're excited, but get your butt in bed. And so I think the more self-aware I am, the less angry I tend to feel, but I definitely, I mean, anything, even a well-meaning person calling to wish me happy birthday, if it took me away from me working on uh, an event or something, there was that reaction, like, how dare you distract me from this? You're like, very hey, important. get on with it. Yep. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Thanks so, so much. I mean, of course, hindsight is 2020. And looking back, I see this all, but in those moments when you are working on it, it's just blinders up. And so hopefully this episode, as people are listening, I know everyone's at different stages in their journeys, whether, you know, you're just curious or you're watching this as a loved one living alongside. Um, I think our goal, our goal in sharing all of this as hard as it can be, and as angry as rhinos we might be, is to just give those examples, our experiences, our insights, what we've learned. Um, so yeah, in terms of anger, you betcha. I yeah. definitely yeah. have had, and I'm sure I still will because it still is. It's a journey. It's a struggle. Um, yeah. And I'm not physical symptoms still. Like, yeah. And I'm not currently uh, involved in anything big, but I, I feel myself being pulled and getting a little bit passionate about things. And um, woof, I know I have to be so careful. It is such a journey. So thank goodness going forward, I'm much more aware, but yeah, we are definitely still, I, I need to ask you, um, like, are you aware now when you, when that energy is coming and sort of not on guard, but just can you see the signs? And I know in a previous episode, you had mentioned that you were very cyclical in terms of um, your hypomanic episodes or depressive episodes. And yeah. now this far in, and I think we were diagnosed, both of us, uh, was it 2010? Yeah. So we are, I'm really bad at math, but I 11, guess 11, 11. Yay. We are 11 years um, in our journey as diagnosed. So I just wonder where you're at in terms of, you know, yeah. being self-aware and are the negative parts and that anger, yeah. is it getting less and less? Yeah. Yes and no. So um, I, I am able sometimes to deescalate quicker. Yeah. I am some, um, since medication, it's like, it regulates my body more so that I can even, because before your body's so dysregulated that 
you can't even, I couldn't even get to helping the behavior because I'm just trying to feel better. I don't know if you get this, but, um, and then I'll finish the answering your question, but I get, I call them my spidey senses. And now as a teacher, there's language for it and it's called sensory issues. So um, when I'm hypomanic, I, I'm never just, uh, you know, I guess balanced is the word inside. Yeah. So I'm either too hot, too cold, itchy, everything's bright, everything's loud, it's too quiet, it's too, it's just all, like it feels like the whole world is coming at me. You know when you see those movies and it's like swirly, yeah. almost like Matrix, but the opposite so fast. And so I have a hard time. I'm dealing with so much of this. I'm just doing the next thing to feel better. And it's yeah. in the moment, it feels better to get the snappy thought out. Right. So I still struggle a lot um, with it. Do, does it get to the extremes that it did before? Like I know a couple of times we had, had a fight and I wanted to be right. And I wanted to like show him and, you know, make him feel bad and no matter at all costs. And so I, I would say that I'm going for a walk, but I would like leave for hours for a walk or I would like, I secretly I'd want him to think that maybe like he needs to appreciate me more. Or maybe, like I, it was not fair or kind. Um, I still, so one of the things that's made me self-aware of just in the past few years that has helped is um, and I'll always talk about, she's my helper, Dr. Brene Brown, mm -hmm. um, talked about, she has this video and it's about being a blamer and I'll put the name in the show notes or whatever, but it, how some people go from like something bad happening, even though it's very loosely re related to who to blame. And I do that. I, it's my immediate immediate reaction like it's because I don't want to feel the guilt or shame or something I don't even know what happens and this is like an actual I don't know medical thing like it's actually a thing and that really helped me understand and the fact that I can like joke about it and but I still have a hard time not doing it so in the video she is wearing like a white kind of outfit it's cartoon and she drops her coffee cup and it splashes all over and literally she goes from like she's by herself and she thinks she says damn you steve her husband not even in the room but she goes from he stayed out later the night before playing water polo which made her nervous so she didn't get to sleep in time so that was her second cup of coffee and that is why she dropped it and it i was like ding 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 i was like that's for me i don't know what it is in me that goes from zero to blame and zero to anger and what I've kind of pieced together in therapy and such is just that piece about that um, negative voice in my head or the how hard I am on myself is that taking on that blame it I feel like I'm going to spiral and not come out of it so I prefer to to blame other people and uh, we joke in my family too, like if I'll do it and one of my children is the same. So we'll be like, blamer. And then we're like, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> right? Like we, Blame game. yeah, right. But I think, and this is why I think like therapy and other things are so important, not just in crisis, like tune up all the time, just um, made me see that, that I wasn't alone too, that this, like finding out that it, bipolar rage is a thing 
then it was able to take it out of me and it not be a part of like who I am fundamentally yeah. as a person. Cause I, I think I can, I'm a pretty kind person. So that didn't mesh with how I wanted to see myself. Yeah. And your question on balance, I would love to say that I'm like, I'm completely self-aware duh, 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 and I, but I'm able to stop myself faster. I'm able to regulate a little bit faster, but it depends on the day. I, since COVID started, I have rough weekends. I, I just really do because we can't do anything and we're all together and I expect it. I get all excited about the weekend and I'm really struggling. I've struggled the most with my anger. This I've struggled this, this year. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I wanted to ask you was when do you find that like, it's so confusing to me to pull this away from personality. What is bipolar? What is personality? So I've stopped doing that because it's impossible. But do you ever think about that? Like, I used to spend days and hours trying to figure out, like, is this bipolar? Is this shady? Is this? And it didn't help me with any of my journey towards wellness. Yeah. Do that? Do you well, figure that out? I definitely know from all the amazing, wonderful, creative people living with bipolar disorder, from all the people I've met, I definitely know that there is a common, common theme. And, you know, I'm going to pat us all on the back that we, we do have these amazing creative minds that do think outside the box. And so I think, I think it's all connected. And I am a person of faith. And I do believe that I've been created and wired specifically um, the way I should be. And so I think my creativity and then those hypomanic bursts of energy are sort of all interconnected. And then it's up to me to um, be responsible and be diligent and make the most of that. And so I really, I'm not totally there yet, but I think as long as I can harness that energy and harness that creativity and be so careful about what I choose to pour it into. Um, you know, I used to say yes to everything. I would overcommit and then I would get resentful and angry, um, you know, and then throw in trying to be a mom. So I think, you know, looking to the future, as long as I am so careful and so aware, and I know that everything I say yes to means I'm saying no to something else. So I want to be 1000% sure that when I jump into a project, I can do it um, with balance and, you know, remember and not let it take over and remember that I also have a husband and a kids and there are so many other pieces and parts of my life that I can't just um, neglect. So I know I'm rambling here, but I, I really think that it's all sort of intertwined. And I think my bipolar mind um, helps to take that creativity to the next level. And when I do have an idea, um, I think it helps me, you know, pursue it with a passion and, you know, take it beyond my wildest dreams. And I'm committed to doing that for the rest of my life. I know we always try to talk about what's your purpose or finding your purpose. And, um, I think our purpose can change. Sometimes it can just be being and, you know, loving the people around us. Um, but I am committed for the rest of my life to, you know, fostering that creativity. Um, and when my hypomania hits, I want 
I want to be able to use that to the best of my ability um, to put more wonderful things out in the world. So I'm going to stop rambling right now, but what are your th thoughts on that? Yeah. Part I is creative Shaylee, Shaylee with bipolar. Yeah, I know. I used to try and figure that out. And I used to think that this idea of arrived or that I should be able to uh, you know, be perfectly balanced or, um, you know, have amazing boundaries. And I think once I accepted that this isn't linear and that I'm not going to arrive and that I'm not going to conquer, or I didn't think of it as something, I, I, you know, I work alongside of it. Yeah. I've probably told this story a million times, but I will say it again, because I think if there's someone new listening, this simple little thing of therapy like changed a huge way of way I think so she said picture yourself in a small room you're in a pool you have a beach ball right you're like it's pretty small of a room so think of your beach ball as like your anxiety or your depression or the thing right mm -hmm. first of all the biggest thing is to think of it outside yourself and then okay so this is the thing if you push it under as hard as you can metaphorically ignore it all those things yeah eventually it's going to come back up and it's going to what explode, Ow! maybe hit you in the face, maybe, you know, uh, go really far and hit someone else, all of those things. And also, and I didn't relate to that one as much because I don't shove things down. I'm the opposite. Sometimes I wish I could just keep them down just for a little bit, <laughs> but um, I am the one that bats it away. And you know, when you're in a small place, you hit, it's bats, it's going to come back at you and back at you and hit people and hit things and, and destroy things. And I think about that with relationships and, and that, and I remember her saying, what if, what if the beach box, you know, water isn't totally still comes yeah. up and it bumps against you and you're like, Hey, and it might stay a while. It might stay a really long time. It might float away, but just see it outside yourself and know that it's going to come back and just think think of it like you know something that um something that you can acknowledge but it doesn't have to take over right and so i've even done and i know this is silly but um it's really helped a lot of the things that i used to think were woo woo actually help i wish i listened to like all the people before um i've actually named my anxiety and it's Agnes and I've named other things and I'll literally I have to visualize I'm such a visualized person I don't really say it out loud sometimes I do if it's really bad I'll be like hey I see that you're here you're actually not in charge today Agnes so you need to settle down like you're you know and every time she comes I'm like Agnes meh, 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 right like I I think of it um like that and it's like whoa it seems like you're you know you're trying to take over or if there's like sorry to all the Agneses and sorry to all the Debbies I got <laughs> Debbie depression and I'm like hey you know I see you there I see you trying to pull me down the spiral you know uh, I'm I'm gonna feel the feelings but I, like I'm not going all the way down so you better let go right so I try I try to do things like that and I think once and the more I talk to people in the beginning, I think we just get this whole idea that we're going to arrive and be completely better. And uh, I just, for me and for the countless people I talk to, yeah. it's not really true. And until you can accept that, how, how can you live with it? Yeah. So yeah. 
how are you before and after and still honestly how are you with boundaries oh my goodness it's the struggle <laughs> of my life setting boundaries um just i've always been a people pleaser i've always uh had a hard time saying no i equated saying no with me being um selfish or not willing to share a talent that's being, you know, requested of me. I thought people wouldn't like me. Um, and I've actually learned the opposite uh, through the years. Um, I've learned that people actually can respect boundaries. I've learned no can be a single sentence. I don't have to give a thousand excuses afterwards, yeah. you know. Um, and when you do give those thousand excuses, it's just, hmm. Um, and I, I, like I had just mentioned, um, I have to really be careful now where I say yes, because, uh, if I said yes to everything, it would spread me so thin. And I don't think I would be as effective as if I picked that one thing. And I think writing my book really taught me to set boundaries. And so my yes, my reason for four years of my life was that book. And I remember at one point I was trying to do Facebook posts um, and write the book. And I was caught between getting those likes and that affirmation on Facebook once a day. And what was happening was I wasn't getting anything done on my book. And my husband said, you are gonna need to get off Facebook. And I actually went off for two solid years. And he said, you will never finish your book if you don't say no to social media and it was really hard, but I credit that with actually finishing my book. Yeah. Um, and so, oh, my mind's gone blank. It happens sometimes to us. <laughs> but um, refresh me, what was I well, you're talking? Oh, boundaries. About boundaries and- It's back, it's back. Um, so now I, I have learned that you can say no and still keep your friends. Um, I used to think that if I said no, um, I used to feel that I was so important that if I said no to a certain task, whether it be at the school or church, that the entire thing would fall apart. And I was the only person that could do something. And that's simply not the case. Um, I have said no. And you know what? Someone else will step in or they will find someone else. And I needed to learn to put, you know, myself and I have a different capacity for different things, depending on what's going on in my life. And so many times I said yes. I wasn't able to set a boundary and my family suffered because of it, or I would get invited somewhere, really didn't want to go. I'm going to be honest here, but I would say yes to this coffee date or that coffee date. And then I would go and sit there and be resentful and I didn't want to be there. And I thought, mm, how awful. I wouldn't want anyone to ever, you know, say yes to getting together with me and then be sitting there not wanting to be there. So I'm getting better over the years, but boundaries has always been a struggle. And when my hypomania hits, sometimes I want to dive in and say yes to everything. And I've now learned that, especially when I'm hypomanic, I need to be hyper aware of the boundaries that I'm setting and where I'm saying yes and no, because it is, a constant journey and are you a people pleaser are you a boundary setter is it a constant struggle like it is for me yeah totally and it's interesting because i never thought i was because i say exactly what i think i don't 
like for example when I was very strict about my eating I not in a mean way but I didn't care if it hurt people's feelings to me it was much more important to be restrictive about that type of eating that I would probably hurt down people's feelings that would offer me food and I wouldn't take it and I I don't do things that I don't want to do now as a parent and a wife obviously there are things like the adulting stuff the mundane I have to do that but uh, so I thought that I wasn't because I didn't uh, I it was so much more important to me or it's like I was trying to just be okay that I, I couldn't take people's feelings into consideration about those things because I felt like it would fall apart but yeah. I'm realizing that I that I am in a different way that I wouldn't have thought of before so okay. I don't want to let people down and I didn't realize how much until because I just like would ignore things I like to have an idea of myself and I never ever wanted to acknowledge the shadow self outwardly right because inside I thought that I everything was wrong with me right yeah. so everyone thinks I'm so confident and I am pretty confident, especially now, like 40s. I'm like, whatevs, who cares? <laughs> but um, I realized that it was more in a, a people-pleasing and more of a, like, almost addicted to just producing something beautiful or doing something and uh, getting praise or people, um, you know, my love language is words of affirmation, right? And just if I could convince people to see me the way that I wanted to, then maybe I can combat those lies in my head, right? Maybe that could take away those anxieties. So um, yeah, I, I don't let people close to me, people not, not so much I'm good with boundaries, but people close to me, I don't wanna let them down, right? And it depends what stage I'm in. When I'm hypomanic, I say sorry a lot now. Mm -hmm. because I'm aware of it before it would be hard to say sorry I wasn't even aware yeah. of, of things but now and it's I've gotten it's gotten worse so I'm I'm working on that right now because I know when I'm talking too much or I know I have a lot of introvert friends and so I I know I possibly could be overwhelming them so I'll say I'm sorry but I have friends that are like you know they set their boundary where they don't have to answer and they tell me put important immediate if it's something that I will get anxious about but I respect that you know I don't have to say sorry because they expect me accept me exactly how I am yeah and I also say things like that might my big thing and I've worked on it a lot is this might be a crazy idea but no just say your idea yeah Exactly. Right? Like I feel like I need to put something ahead of time because if I say it before they think it, then it's better. It's like, you know how people used to say it in movies, like makes fun of yourself first and then they won't make fun of you. That's a terrible advice. It's awful. Guilty it's totally of that too. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so, yeah. And surround yourself with people. And like you said, I love people where their yes is their yes and their no is their no, because I trust them right? I trust them. And I was like you, I feel like I need an excuse. And there are a bunch of people in my life that expect why, yeah. right? Like they expect me to explain why I can't go out or why I can't do this. And I feel like I need, and honestly, I used to lie because I felt like I had to say something. I couldn't, I didn't want to hurt them and just be like, I can't yeah. be with anyone. 
right? Because I've been hurt. And it's funny that I, I say that because sometimes even now I'll get hurt by a boundary, right? Because I'll be like, yeah, but they shouldn't have boundaries with me. Exactly. It's me. And, and, and meanwhile, deep down, I do respect them and learn from them, but I do get hurt sometimes. And I, um, I still get, can get paranoid about um, like if I put something completely out there to, to someone, I'll like want to take it back. But I know my people and I know they've created these safe spaces, but sometimes I overshare with people that aren't safe and then that's gotten me into trouble, right? Like being an oversharer. But um, I don't even know if I answered your question, but hopefully we're saying good things. <laughs> was my question oh we boundaries. boundaries yeah so definitely a struggle and it probably will be and oh I know this one about what I've done too is not try to make myself um, feel like I should be someone I'm not so I used to think there's a proper way to study there's a proper way to be a mom and how you cook there's a proper way like that's the right way yeah and I'm always doing it wrong but I didn't the things that find out what works for me. And if it works for me and it works for my family, then it's not wrong. Yeah. Right. Like if we, I am not an amazing cook. I make, we have healthy things. If it takes longer than 40 minutes or even 20, sometimes I won't do it. And that's okay. My kids eat healthy things. Frozen feasts are lovely. And (laughs) right. And the fact that I like don't always go, I rarely go grocery shopping and do it all online now. Cares. Yeah. Like it doesn't make me less, uh, you know, I don't, I used to think I had to bake with my kids weekly. We fight terribly. We cannot bake together. It's awful. I try to control them. They get upset. Like, it's awful. So I've just, I'm always trying to adjust those. Yeah. And I'm also accepted. And I don't know about you. I get really excited about this topic. I'm sorry if I'm talking too much. See, I'm doing it. No, I'm not sorry. <laughs> no, not don't sorry. second guess. Don't. My friend actually, and we say to each other now, and it's the best thing. She'll say to me, um, and not in a mean way, she'll be like, actually, I don't accept that apology because you didn't need to give it. And I'll be like, I love that. I know. I love that. I, I don't accept that apology because you don't need to apologize for being, I, like I cried the first time. I was like, I've never heard that. I love that beautiful like no I don't I don't accept that apology because you are enough and you are right so and I realize that with the boundary part is I am all or nothing and yes I can I'm not going to try to completely change that because it's not going to work for me so what I need to do is put things in place to know that if I do that event I might crash yeah for a couple weeks and that's okay. And I need to let myself and remember that instead of yeah. what's wrong with me. Yeah. And I also told friends and when we do events as groups, I say, can we, I need either, depending on how big the event is, I need a couple of days before yeah. we um, evaluate or, um, you know, try and see what we could do better. Because if it's the next day, I'm so raw vulnerable if someone says even what I'm already trying not to think of all the things that went wrong or could go better and be hard on myself I I cannot take it if you tell me something that could be better so I'll say give me a week in a week we could I can totally talk about it right and 
I, I've, I've just said that and that used to make me feel weak, but now I'm like, no, understanding what you need and asking for what you need is strong. Absolutely. And I think that's key with hypomania too. Um, because part of me might say, that's it. I've done a terrible job of keeping balance in the past. I cannot write another book. I'm not, I'm going to say no to every event at the school. And I don't think that's the case. I think, you know, for both of us to be aware, to be, you know, like you said, be able to plan ahead. And if I am working on a school event, tell my husband, meals will not be cooked for this week. Let's plan on getting takeout, yes. um, you know, and hold me to it. I can work on this till 7 p.m. But then even if I don't want, drag me away from it. So I think there is absolutely a way to move forward. And whether it's, you know, knowing how to set boundaries, say no, um, you know, without worry, without shame, um, all of those things um, can help to minimize the negative effects that unmanaged hypomania um, can have in every area of our lives. Yeah. And kindness, right? Like if I mess up once, it's like, oh, it's ruined. Everything's yeah. ruined. Uh, you know what why do I even try I should yeah. just you know I'm I'm I should move away I'm not a good mom like those yeah. thoughts from my head and I'm like I try and say like you know how people say treat other like treat others how you treat yourself or whatever mine's the opposite treat myself how I treat my friends exactly because I care so much I'm kind I think to myself would I think my friend was a total failure and sucked if this, I'd be like, no, 100% yeah. I wouldn't. I have so much grace and compassion and, you know, that kind of thing for, like, I need to give that to myself. Yeah. And, and just, I noticed as every year goes by, you know, um, it's not perfect, but I'm, I, I just, I used to think I'm not growing at all, but I think just recovering a little bit quicker or oh, just yeah. not spiraling as deep, right? That's all, that's all progress, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. So we are by far, you know, we get, I don't, we get the comment all the time is that, you know, we're so put together or, you know, these, you know, really good things like, oh, you know, I want to be better, like, like, you know, better physically or, or better, be a better living with bipolar like you. And, of course we put our best foot forward here right yeah. and everybody needs a like a bit of protection and me making a nice background and full face of makeup or whatever helps me feel like i can share that i have rhinoceros rage right <laughs> just know that we are like still hot messes but yeah we we're beautiful hot messes and we're trying to find you know, trying to find the beauty in that because we have enough negativity swirling in our heads that, um, yeah, just searching, searching for the beauty in the world and people. And yeah, so this is the hard, hard truths uh, about hypomania. We hope that in the future, we're, we start talking to someone we'd like to understand um, uh, true full mania even, even more. And so Thanks for listening. Yeah. And yes, I hope that you are on the very low scale of zero to angry rhinoceros today. <laughs>
And um, like I'm trying to say a lot now, instead of like, have a good day or a fabulous day, just have a day. You're here. You showed up. Yes. Have a day. Because this is the hard parts of hypomania. And we were saying earlier, um, thinking about that post is hypomania is like sunshine until it burns. And so this is hypomania and this is bipolar. This is bipolar. Mm -hmm.